Bienvenidos. Buenos dias. Welcome everyone to Lindsley Avenue. We've got several people who are missing this morning who are out. So we appreciate everyone who's here, our visitors. We're very glad to see you out and about again. Yes, I'm pointing at you. Uh, so just glad that everybody's here. Glad that everybody's here. I always try to mention the sign at the door says, all are welcome. And here at Lindsley Avenue, we mean it. Should be meant everywhere. But here at Lindsley Avenue, we mean it and do our best to put that into practice. We are glad that you are here. This week, we are in the middle, if you will, of the study of the fruit of the Spirit. We're on fruit number five of nine. Five of nine. So we're, we're at the, the midpoint. So it'll all be kind of coasting, though, the rest of the time. This morning, we're going to talk about kindness. And I know you saw the Spanish words on the bottom of the songs. We're simply trying to make uh, our uh, friends and, and new uh, acquaintances more comfortable to do what they can to help uh, worship God with us. The slides are going to be in all English except for the front. I haven't figured out yet how to do that, but we do have paper handouts that have Spanish of everything that's on your paper handout. And we certainly hope and pray that Google translates doing a good job. I have no idea. But this morning we're talking about kindness. You know, it's one of those things that's been said before, we know it when we see it. We know what kindness is when we see it. But what is kindness? Dictionaries say it is the quality. Imagine a dictionary reading again, very dispassionate. Dictionaries say it is the quality of being considerate to others, being gentle, caring, and helpful. Certainly, kindness and goodness are very closely related, and we talk about uh, goodness next week. One might say that kindness is goodness in action, putting goodness into action. Jesus shows the way. When it went in doubt, let's go and see what Jesus did. And I think Jesus shows the way here in terms of looking at kindness. Matthew 7, verses 9 through 11. Jesus speaking to the crowds who have come to listen to him on the mount. Jesus says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? I really imagine there's some laughter there because this is a form of humor to have an inconsistent response. He asked for bread, he gave him a rock. Right? He gave him a stone. Or if he asked for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. The serious part's next. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And on the prayer this morning, I purposefully put for the first time there, what do you, what do I, need to talk to God about or tell God today. Prayer needs to be personal. You know, when Howell is up here leading a prayer or someone else is leading a prayer, no one else in the building knows what's on your heart that you need to tell God. And so it's perfectly acceptable during a prayer, first of all, to go slow during a prayer, give people the time to digest what's being said, but Take to God what is on your heart as well. God who is in heaven, the Father in heaven, knows how to give good things to those who ask Him. You know, it's doubtful really that any of us would give a rock to somebody who's hungry. Here, good luck chewing on that. I, don't, I just don't think we would do that. 
If we weren't careful, however, we'd be tempted not to give anything at all. Someone's hungry, yeah, giving the rocks not exactly helpful, but it's not any, in any way a better position to be in if somebody's hungry and you don't give them anything at all. Jesus continues, Jesus continues, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. It comes on the heels of those previous statements. If someone asks you for food, you give them a rock. If someone asks you for a fish, you give them a snake. No. If somebody needs something, you help them with it. And look what he says. Whatever you really want other people to do to you, you be. You be first. You do it first. Treat other people the way you want to be treat, uh, uh, treated. And in that circumstance, the world will be a better place. The more of us that do that. In the Good News Translation, it says, Do for others what you want them to do for you. This is the meaning of the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. And it really is. The message of God is to treat other people nicely, with kindness, with gentleness, with love, with patience. Do you get the tie-in to what we're talking about this morning? Treat people the way God treats God knows how to give good gifts to those who ask Him. We need to be proactive in giving good things to people, perhaps who haven't even asked us. I would suggest treating others how you want to be treated, really, however, is not easy. It's not. It's not an easy thing. If it were an easy thing, everybody would already have been doing it, or a whole lot of people would have been doing it when Jesus says this. It's not an easy thing. Why? Well, he continues with these comments, I think, to show that it's not an easy thing. Remember, he's, all, he's saying all this in kind of one sitting. And he's saying all this one after the other. He said, if someone asks for a, a food, you give them you know, a rock. Somebody asks for a fish, you give them a snake. If you are evil, your father who is in heaven, who is good, is going to give good things to people that ask him. He says, however you want to be treated, treat others that, that way in advance. And then he says this, enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide, and the road is, is, is wide that leads to hell. Many people enter through that gate don't follow the crowd. But the gate is small, and the road is narrow that leads to eternal life, and only a few people find that road. Now, there's a great deal in these two verses, but the context is talking about how we treat other people. Absolutely, it needs to be about following after God. It needs to be about having our hearts in the right place and doing what God wants us to do. But there's a big part of this that says most people are not going to do what he just told, Jesus just told them to do. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Most people don't live that way. Most people do not do it. If you were to look at who you have in Know, run into, it's not your, your mom, your dad, they're not family member. A number of them may not have treated you nicely the way they, you would want to be treated in the past. Practicing kindness is a problem. It's a problem. You know, we, we teach all the kids in kindergarten, you know, to be, play nice and be kind and all that kind of thing. You may have heard everything you needed to know when you were in kindergarten, to paraphrase the book that was popular some years ago, 
Most of us don't do it after we get out of kindergarten. We just don't. Why? Why is it that so many people don't practice kindness? Well, because it doesn't really come easy. It doesn't come easy to any of us. We would prefer, if we really could get away with it, to be selfish. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about most of us at some point have really thought about looking after number one. And what was my response? Do you remember my, my test time here? Anybody remember my response from a couple of weeks ago? Not only are we not number one, we're not number what? We're not number two either. That was the billboards, right? I'm number two for all the people on television. Great thought, certainly not number one, but God is number one. Other people are number two. I'm at least third. And it's hard because we want to look after our state. I'm number one, me. I mean, most important person. I gotta be. No, it's not. No, it's not. Being rude is easy. Marla said this to me. Being rude is easy. It doesn't take any thought or you know real creativity to be rude. It does not take much effort, but it's really a sign of weakness and insecurity. When we're rude to other people, I don't have to get involved with somebody else. I don't have to wonder what's happening with this person. I don't have to think, how can I help? Because I'm rude and I'm on my way. Because when I'm rude, I'm focusing on, mistakenly, what I consider to be number one. Being rude is very easy. But it does not fit with being a follower of Jesus. It does not fit. You cannot truly be a follower of Jesus and be rude. You cannot truly be a follower of Jesus and think that you are number one. You can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not treating people with kindness, with patience, with love, and putting joy into their lives. You just can't do it because... If that fruit is not being generated by the Spirit living within you, you're not. You're really not. I'm not a follower of Jesus. What causes people not to be kind? What contributes to it? A lack of empathy. I just don't care about you. Or I don't care about other people. There's no empathy. There's no heart that feels for someone else. Remember our New Year's resolution? It was bear one another's burdens this year. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Show some empathy. Care about what each of us is going through. And help. Well, that's a big part of showing kindness. And it's not what's going to allow us to rude. And self-centeredness. That's, that's part of the looking after number one. Being self-centered. Not recognizing that other people need me. Or that their need is greater than mine at the moment. You know, it's not surprising when a two-year-old acts this way. Two-year-old doesn't think. A wonderful kind of blind way to go through life as a two-year-old. All that matters is that's mine and no. The first three words, perhaps, the two-year-old learns. That's mine and no. But we shouldn't see that in a 40-year-old. We shouldn't see that in a 50-year-old. It's really disgusting to see somebody that 
learned what they needed to be in kindergarten and then never remembered a word of it later. Jesus showed kindness toward others throughout his ministry. On multiple occasions, he stopped what he was doing to help people in need. He acted with kindness and compassion, for example, when he fed the 5,000 with a few loaves of fish and healed the sick. That's in Matthew 14, 13 through 14. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Followed by all these people who can't possibly have enough to eat here. We need to send them into the towns and go let them find some food. And Jesus said, well, what do we got? And they found a boy with a few fish and some small little loaves. And the fish were probably the size of sardines. That's what was very popular, very prominent in Galilee at the time. We're talking tidbits. We're not talking some Captain B's shrimpers feast kind of thing or some huge thing to start sharing. Almost nothing care about other people. Do I? Do I? He showed kindness toward others when he healed the blind Bartimaeus. Mark 10, 46-52. They came to Jericho and as he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho, with his disciples in the great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, son of Timaeus, that's what Bartimaeus means, means son of Timothy, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard, he had to hear, he couldn't see, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth who was going by, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The dot, dot, dot is where the rest of the people are saying, shh, quit bothering the man. He's got important things to do. Why don't you be quiet? No one wants to hear from you. Jesus has more important things to do. That's what the crowd around Bartimaeus essentially is telling him, right? But Jesus goes to Bartimaeus and says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my son. Jesus said to him, go your way, faith has made you well. Immediately he, Bartimaeus, recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Did Jesus have to stop for Bartimaeus? He's just, notice my language here, I'm doing this on purpose. He's just a blind beggar. What do I do when I encounter people who need me? Which is the kind response? Jesus, I think, shows us the kind response. He showed kindness toward others as well, and he was forgiving those who had abused and wronged him toward the end of his life here, crucifixion. Luke 23, 33 through 34. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, I really think that most of the time when we or when people sin, it's because we're not thinking. Sure, there are things we do that are wrong where it's planned out in advance. We're looking for some way to do something wrong, but many times when we sin, it is because our minds are not in the game. We're not thinking. I hope and pray that this uh, sentiment of Jesus is applied very broadly by God. 
that God will forgive me when I do something foolish and sinful because I was not thinking, and that He will forgive all of us the same way. But how does that apply to me? Perhaps the person who's rude to me wasn't thinking. Perhaps the person who did not stop to see what I needed wasn't thinking. The opposite of this is to hold a grudge, to remember the wrong, or to let it go. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus showed kindness toward others. He also showed kindness toward others, even the ungrateful. This is in Luke 6, 31-36. This is Luke's account of the same uh, idea that we read early on this morning in Matthew. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Golden rule, they call it. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. You know, it's, it's relatively easy to be kind and nice to, let's just say, your friends. Okay? Somebody that you like, you see them and the smile goes up, hey, how you doing? You know, usually you're not just rude to people who are your friends because they won't be your friends very long. That's kind of what Jesus is talking about here. If you're good to those people who are good to you, if you do these things that are nice to people who are nice to you, well, hello. It's not a surprise. Hello. Most people are good to people that do good things to them. Look how, look how it continues. But Jesus says, I'm going to tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies. Don't just love the people who love you. Love your enemies. Do good and live expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Sons of the Most High, for He is kind, God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Somebody comes in, somebody comes into your life and they're not kind to you, be kind to them. Somebody comes into my life and they are ungrateful, never be, never do that again. I've learned my lesson, I'll never be kind. No. Do I want God to give up on me after the first time that I forget to be grateful? Absolutely not. Look at it again. Love your enemies. Love your friends. Sure. Love your family members. Sure. Love your enemies. The people who have it out for you. Lend. Do good. Don't expect anything back. Don't expect some kind of fancy words here. Quid pro quo. Right? Don't expect something directly back where it's an in-kind return to you. Give and don't expect anything back. Because God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. You and I, look at this, this is a command. This is an imperative, Jesus is saying here. You and I need to be merciful even as God is merciful. And how I show mercy will have a great deal to how God shows mercy really disturbing when Jesus says things like that. 
Because it's almost as if he wants me to do something that's hard. He does. He does. Look at a couple of other verses here this morning. This is Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. He says, Paul writing, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Those are things that I don't think would fall under anybody's umbrella of kindness. Those need to get you know, put out on the curb for the trash person to come by and pick up. Put those things away from you. Instead of those things, instead of anger, wrath, and clamor, and slander, and malice, instead of all those hurtful things, what should I have my life full up with? Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Have a heart that cares. I mean, most people are not going to be kind unless it's coming from the heart. And it's got to be a heart that cares. A heart that cares is going to generate kind actions. Kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and here's that statement again, even as God in Christ forgave you. Why do I need to forgive Johnny? Johnny's been mean to me for years. In fact, you know what he did to me last week? Don't care. Well, hopefully you didn't get hurt, but I don't care what Johnny did last week. Because I'm supposed to be forgiven as God has forgiven me. The last thing I want is for God to say, there were like 1,700 times by the county over here in the book where you weren't forgiven. No, we don't, get any, we don't want any of that kind of record keeping to occur. And the way to avoid that is to be forgiven, is to be kind, tenderhearted. We are called to be kind in part because God has been kind to us. Forgiving of sins is certainly kindness because God did not have to. Ephesians 4.30. He continues and says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Look at this. Ah, I put that in there. There we have it again. Where does this kind of behavior come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who's given to us when we become a follower of Jesus, when we become a Christian, when we are born again. When we are born again, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us and starts generating that fruit that we've been talking about. If we're not grieving the Holy Spirit by trying to turn the wheel away from the direction the Spirit would have us go. Right? You know, if you can imagine, most cars don't have this, but a plane with an autopilot is trying to go this direction. It's not a generally a good idea to start trying to yank it the other direction, right? The plane's not going to be very happy with you. Well, if I'm a member of God's family, if I have the Spirit dwelling within me, the direction God wants me to go, the direction the Spirit is taking me is one of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, so far. And if I keep trying to do these other things by not being kind, not being patient, not being loving, that I believe that's one application of this statement. I will be grieving, making the spirit that dwells within me as a member of his family sad at my attempt to ignore the change that's supposed to be part of who I am. 
And this whole idea, again, we have been given this guarantee of our future. Look at this. We have been sealed for the day of redemption. We talked about this some weeks ago. The Spirit is given as a down payment. It's an Arabon. That's the word in Greek. It's a down payment. It's a guarantee. It's the first installment, the first payment made on something from God. God's made essentially the payment to us saying, you're mine. Here's the first payment. The Spirit within us. When we go home to God, we receive it all because we are living with Him. This Spirit within us, this down payment of what's to come from God, if you will, is what we have. And when we fight against the Spirit, we're living for ourselves and we're not living for God. When we're not letting the fruit that the Spirit's trying to generate come forth in our lives, it's because we're being self-centered. It's because we are focusing on that wrong, number one. You see, kindness is an expression of love. It really is. It's, the reason love is first is because all of these other expressions of fruit that the Spirit generates all come from love. God is love. In Him is no darkness at all. I'm to be like God. I need to have love be the dominating quality comes out of my life. And if it starts with love, all these other things we're talking about all come from that initial loving approach. When we are walking after the Spirit, the Spirit will generate that fruit. When we're not, if we're walking after the flesh, we're going to be generating all those works of the flesh. Anger, wrath, malice, immorality, all these many different we're living a life of sin and selfishness. We're not living for God. We're living for ourselves. God does not call us to perform random acts of kindness. You heard that phrase? I mean, it's all, some of the afternoon TV shows. I don't remember when I last saw one of the afternoon TV shows, but I know you've heard it. Go about and practice random acts of kindness, right? Pay for this person's meal over here. You know, it's random things. Just do random things. That's not what God calls us to be. As valuable as those random acts are, don't get me wrong, if somebody's throwing out random acts of kindness, great. The world's a better place because of random acts of kindness. I don't argue with that, but that's not what we are to be about. We are not to be about random acts of kindness. We are to be about intentional acts of kindness. As opposed to the random acts of kindness, we are to be intentional about it. A consistent lifestyle, a consistent life of kindness that can in many ways revolutionize the way people relate to one another. Our city, our state, our country, our world is a sick place because it's sick with the result of sin that's in the life of most people. Most people are not followers of Jesus in the world today. The only way that healing can come is by showing people who are sick the doctor, the physician. And that doctor is Jesus himself. The best place for that to happen 
is by starting with kindness among people that we have here today. As broken, as flawed, as, as needy as we all are. There's not a person in this auditorium today who doesn't have some part of them that they feel may be broken. Who doesn't have some need. Who doesn't have some problem that we need help with. You know why? Because we're all people. We're all people. God calls us to bear one another's burdens. As a family, we are to help one another by being kind to one another. That's the only way the world is going to be made well. Starting here, one at a time, two at a time, showing kindness and pointing to Jesus as the source of that kindness. So my question this morning is, are you living in harmony with the spirit that's within you? If you're a member of God's family and your life doesn't seem as if it's generating love, joy, peace, these different expressions of fruit, then the solution is not, I will write down on a piece of paper, I will be kind a thousand times. Now that doesn't really help. The solution is to draw closer to God and He will draw closer to you. If you're not a member of God's family, then you're part of the world that's still sick with the result of sin. If you're not a member of God's family, the only way for healing is to come and understand I have been living for the wrong number one. I've been living for myself I need to change my life and live for God. I need to turn away from the way I have been living. And as Jesus tells us, they're all ready this morning, unless we are born of water and the Spirit, unless we are immersed in water so that we can be raised to walk as a new person, where God forgives the sins, it's not the water, it's God doing all the work. Only then can you be free from the sickness that comes from sin. The choice is yours today. Please think about that. Let's together understand this.